We would like to remind you to turn off all cellular and paging devices, please. Once again, please turn off all cellular and paging devices. At this time, we'd like to ask you to please take your seats and join us in welcoming a performance by the San Francisco Girls Chorus, followed by a performance by the San Francisco Boys Chorus. Thank you.
Ladies and gentlemen, I have the, this, the honor and privilege to introduce our mayor, Mayor Gavin Newsom. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please remain standing for the presentation of the color guard and the singing of the national anthem and the posting of the colors, followed by, and please remain standing until after the invocation. Thank you. Let our flag was still there. 
Mayor Newsom, as you begin your second term as the mayor of San Francisco, we pray for you and the city and the citizens of this great city who share responsibility for promoting the common good of all San Franciscans, especially the weakest and the most vulnerable among us. And so we pray for you, Gavin, and for all of us. God of all nations and peoples, open our eyes that we may see the deepest needs of people. Move our hands that we may feed the hungry. Touch our hearts that we may bring warmth to the despairing. Teach us the generosity that welcomes strangers and shelters the homeless. Let us share our possessions to clothe the naked. Give us the care that strengthens the sick. Make us share in the quest to set the prisoner free. In this city and at this time, let us not be afraid to defend the weak and the powerless for fear of the strong and the powerful nor afraid to privilege the needs of the poor over those of the wealthy. Show us where love and hope, justice and faith are needed in this city which is our home, and inspire us to bring that love and hope, justice and faith to those places. May this day and these next four years under Mayor Newsom's leadership bring San Francisco closer to those qualities that characterize the saint whose name it bears. May this city, like Francis, be an instrument of your peace, replacing hatred with love, error with truth, discord with harmony, despair with hope, and darkness with light. Amen. And God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning and Happy New Year. My name is Carlos Garcia, and I'm the superintendent of the San Francisco Unified School District. Now, some of you, thank you. Now, some of you might think it's a little odd that the superintendent of schools would be up here, because in most cities across this country, you've had mayors trying to take over school districts. But here I am taking over the podium today. I hope this isn't just a beginning, but I hope that today becomes a catalyst for change, a new era, an era where cities and school boards, we know we're different entities, but that we work united together to support the most important thing on this planet, our children.
I know that we are in somewhat of a time crunch, so we're going to probably change the order a little bit of the program, and I'll take the liberty as the MC to do that. And later on, I'll acknowledge some of our distinguished guests, because I know that the way it works is that by noon, we have to have a mayor here. So at this time, without further ado, I'd like to call upon the Honorable William Newsom, assisted by Talitha and Selina Callan. Are they up here? Judge, come on up. Girls, come on up to do the oath of office. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, William Newsom. I have a very quick few words to say before I administer the, the oath to Gavin for the second time, a point in which I take great pride and pleasure. My friend, a former mayor of San Francisco, is a very excellent mayor and a wonderful man, George Moscone, once mused aloud with me couldn't have been bar, but it could have been a coffee shop. <laughs> and he said, Bill, I can't make up my mind whether to run for mayor of San Francisco or governor. And I said, George, this is a fairly simple decision. If you had one room at the Excelsior Hotel available and you were a, the governor of California, you might not get it. If you were the mayor of San Francisco, they would welcome you. That's the difference. Besides, I said, George, this costs a lot less money. Anyhow, that's my tale for day. And now I'm going to uh, turn to my wonderful grandchildren. They have a Bible, which I believe belonged to the, their great-grandmother. And Gavin is going to take his oath upon this Bible. It's a family Bible. And um, I'm going to ask you, Gavin, to raise your right hand and to say after me, I, Gavin Newsom, I, Gavin Newsom do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And of the of State of California. The Constitution of the State of California. Against all enemies, foreign and de domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. And that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. And to the Constitution of the State of California. And to the Constitution of the State of California. That I take this obligation freely and without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties upon which I am about to enter. Well and faithfully discharge the duties upon which I'm about to enter. <laughs> Mr. Mayor. <laughs> you did a great job. Great job. You're clapping for you. 
It's a privilege now to just highlight and acknowledge some of our folks here who are, are dignitaries. Uh, first of all, um, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein and our former mayors, um, Mayor L, Willie L. Brown, Jr., Mayor Frank Jordan, Mayor, the wife of Mayor George Moscone, Gina Moscone, the wife of Mayor Joseph Alioto, Dr. Kathleen Silva Alioto, State Senator Carol Midland, Supervisors Michaela Alioto Pierre, Tom Amiano, Carmen Chu, Chris Daly, Bevan Dufty, Sean Ellsburn, Sophie Maxwell, Jake McCorrick, Ross Mirkarami, Aaron Peskin, and Gerardo Sandoval. <laughs> District Attorney Kamala Harris, City Attorney Dennis Herrera, Sheriff Michael Hennessy, Public Defender Jeff Adachi, Treasurer Jose Cisneros, Assessor Phil Ping, Oakland Mayor Ron Dellens, and other mayors from the local area, members of the City College Board of Trustees, Commissioners of the San Francisco Unified School District Board of Education, former Secretary of State George Schultz, and our city's chief of protocol, Charlotte Schultz. Our chief of police, Heather Fong. Our fire chief, Joanne Hayes-White. Our city administrator, Edwin Lee and our controller, Ed Harrington. Welcome. It's really an honor to be here, and some of, you know, people have asked me throughout the process as to why did I get to be the MC? And I pointed out to them that I was the only person that sits on, on the mayor's uh, cabinet that wasn't required to submit a resignation notice. But seriously, these are great times, and this is a great opportunity to celebrate the things that are right within our city. It's really going to be an honor to introduce our mayor, to talk, have him talk about his vision and what he plans for, for our city. It's funny, because when people knew I was going to emcee it, people came and kind of hit me up to, to mention a top ten list of things that he ought to be in, encompassed in his remarks. But I won't go through all ten. But what, what they really did want to hear is they wanted to hear how we were going to handle the budget because we're going in a deficit year, and that's going to be tough. They wanted to also hear, you know, things about his vision for the city. But most importantly, and inquiring minds really do want to know, they really wanted to know all the specific, specific dates and details about your upcoming wedding. All joking aside, it has been a real privilege and honor to work next to a friend 
We've gotten to be very close and working in a lot of different issues, and it's not going to be business as usual because it does take an entire village to educate children. And so without further ado, it's an honor and a privilege to be here today and call upon our Mayor, Gavin Newsom. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you. Thanks, all of you. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Carlos, thank you again for agreeing to emcee this event. It's a great honor to have you here, and it's a great honor, most importantly, to have you in San Francisco. And we are all very blessed, and I look forward to working together with you very closely, more closely in the next four years. It goes without saying, it's wonderful and familiar to be up here with my father, retired Justice William Newsom, who has long loved this city and has served it so wonderfully well, not only the Court of Appeals but the Superior Court, and through his remarkable example that he provided me of leadership throughout my life. So, Dad, thank you very much for swearing me in yet again. Father Prevett, thank you for coming back. As always, it is comforting to see you here. Father Obano, thank you for the Mass this morning. It was wonderful, and we appreciate it very much. Mr. Loris Church, thank you for that. The Boys and Girls Chorus, always wonderful, about as good as it gets, so a big round of applause. Boys and Girls Chorus, wherever you are, thank you. And the love of my life, my new fiancée, Jennifer Seaver. Thank you, Jennifer. I also just want to extend, as Carlos did, my appreciation for all the elected officials that took the time to be here, the President of the Board and the entire Board of Supervisors, Community College Board, members of the School Board, my good friend Ron Dellums, who I'm so proud of, doing great work in partnership with the city over in Oakland. Of course, previous mayors that have done so much, lead by example, led by the great Senator Dianne Feinstein. I'm proud she's here as well. Thank you, Senator. Thank you. My friend Frank Jordan, thank you, Frank, for all your help over the years and guidance as well. And it's great to see Kathleen and Gina as well being here and taking the time. Thank you both. And perhaps most importantly, the person that's responsible for getting me into elected office, and that is my friend Willie Brown. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Not forget that. Appreciate it. You know, it was – it's remarkable how time flies, because it was just four years ago that I stood here and was right outside in the steps of City Hall to say thank you to my friends and family and for all the supporters, many of you that are back here today four years later, for electing me mayor of this incredible city. And, you know, I can look back now, rather uniquely, look back now and realize it has taken the experiences of the last four years to truly appreciate the honor that all of you have given me. I knew it before, but now I've had the opportunity to live it. This place, our people, make up undoubtedly the finest people in the finest city in this nation. There are bigger cities, but there's simply no better cities. 
and serving as your mayor is the greatest honor I could ever imagine. In the past four years, I've had the privilege of looking at best practices throughout this nation. And I've learned with a growing sense of pride and a profound sense of responsibility that the nation is also looking back to us here in San Francisco. We are a point of reference, of course, so often for our disagreements, the things that go on here at City Hall. But when you get beyond our city limits, uh, people don't see that struggle. They only see the results that we're producing in this city. Most are inspired. Some are threatened. But without doubt, America knows that San Francisco is leading the way. And in the next four years, we will not be afraid to lead the way on the most important issue facing our city, starting with the most important, and that is health care. As the national effort to provide decent health care stagnates, and as our state takes the first steps in the right direction, here in San Francisco, we've already extended this most fundamental right to 7,932 people through our San Francisco Healthy Program. And I'm proud of that, and you should be as well. And in this new year, we're going to be offering that same blessing, quality health access, to roughly 40,000 additional San Franciscans. Now, we all know there are going to be bumps in the road. There certainly has been. We've already had to fight a lawsuit and are continuing to fight that lawsuit. But we're not going to stop till every San Franciscan has access to quality, affordable, and comprehensive health care. And I should note, I should note, you know, universal health care has simply never happened in the United States of America. But it will, make no mistakes, happen here first in the city and county of San Francisco. And I want to thank you all for your work on that, Supervisor Amiano and others. Now, in the next four years, make no mistake, we're going to keep on the forefront of health policy with our proven, pioneering, and yes, sometimes controversial uh, efforts and programs to keep our city healthy. We spend, this is staggering, we spend more than a billion dollars a year treating people in this city alone who are sick. Yet the single greatest reform we can implement is to spend a lot more time, and I believe just redirect a little bit more of this money in keeping San Franciscans well. Prevention, fundamentally, is a key. That's why we've created programs like Shape Up San Francisco to promote exercise, promoting initiatives for healthy eating, and of course, working to fight against obesity and calling attention to the issue and the problems of calorically sweetened beverages. Let me be clear. Obesity and diabetes-related problems will soon replace tobacco as a leading cause of preventable death in the United States of America, which is why we're taking such a hard look at promoting health by showing people the true cost and consequences of poor nutrition. We will save both lives and money by leading a movement of healthy living. And at the end of the day, making San Francisco the healthiest city in America fundamentally is the ultimate goal. And I can think of no more important mission for our administration and no more important mission for our city. There's certainly no better way to demonstrate that commitment of a healthy city than supporting, I believe, the most important and recognizable component of that system, and that's our crown jewel, the San Francisco General Hospital, by supporting a bond initiative in this November's ballot. That is the most important issue this year ahead. We have a long way to go. But on one of the most important issues facing our nation, San Francisco is leading the way. 
our national leadership, our national leadership rather, doesn't just stop with protecting the health of our residents. No city in America, none, is doing more to safeguard the health of our environment. San Francisco is now the testing ground for how people and complace can reverse the impacts of global warming. The most important step we can take is to make this city completely carbon neutral. And that is exactly what we're going to do. Today I want to pledge, today I want to pledge to make this city, and this, by the way, this is not one of those fanciful pledges that never gets done, you can't measure, and nothing ever happens, and we come and go, and no one holds us to account. Let us pledge today with a specific plan that will follow to make San Francisco and city government carbon neutral by 2020. I think that's a fair, reasonable, as well as an audacious goal. I recognize it's a daring challenge, but we can make it a reality by doing things like what we've been doing, our pioneering initiatives like our carbon tax and our local, local carbon offset plan, our 100% biodiesel fleet, our landmark solar incentive program, our green collars job tax credit, and our new innovative uh, green building requirements. That's just the beginning. We're not just a beacon of the world, we're going to light this city as well with renewable power. We are aggressively advancing our efforts to expand local renewable generation in tidal, and wind, and wane, and rather solar, and geothermal. Not many folks are focusing on geothermal power, but that offers a wealth of opportunity as well. And right now we're sitting, right here, all of you are sitting in the center of what will become the city's first sustainable resource district. A pioneering plan to make this civic center area the laboratory for innovative environmental technologies, including a commitment that all city buildings will be powered entirely by green renewable energy. We, we are defending our planet's environment and we're acting to protect our own unique urban environment. In the next four years, we will continue our efforts to restore those polluted corners of that urban environment, places like the Hunter's Point Shipyard. We took, we took just a few weeks ago and formally announced and advanced it just last week, we took a giant step forward with the help of our speaker, Nancy Pelosi, and the extraordinary leadership of Senator Dianne Feinstein when we brought home some $82 million to accelerate our cleanup efforts, just the latest and largest installment we have received in the last five years for environmental restoration of this neighborhood. This year, we will all told have generated over half a billion dollars during those five years of environmental cleanup money. This is unprecedented anywhere else in the United States of America. And again, hats off to Senator Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi. This year as well, we're going to implement our Great Streets program to ensure that this city is a place where everyone can feel safe walking and biking or simply enjoying the streetscape, which is the cleanest and the greenest as well in the world. And to help us achieve this goal, I'm so proud that we were successful in recruiting a national leader on urban greening. Her name's Astrid Hayarty. You're going to be hearing a lot about Astrid. She will coordinate every city department to make sure that all of our greening of our urban landscape is not an afterthought, but is central to all of our efforts and all of our activities. We're also adding, and this is remarkable, we're also adding over 700 acres 
of new parks and open space in San Francisco, thanks to our new green communities that are being developed in Treasure Island and out in Bayview Hunters Point. That's the largest expansion of parks since we opened Golden Gate Park some 140 years ago. That's remarkable. That is taking shape as we speak. But let, not, let us not forget that we also need to make sure that we're re rehabilitating our existing parks and playgrounds and recreation facilities, and bettering our urban environment by, by supporting our neighborhood parks bond next month on the February ballot. Very important. We have a long way to go in our city to secure our environment and make San Francisco cleaner and greener. I recognize that. But the most timely issue facing our world today, San Francisco most assuredly is leading the way. Now, if there's one place where San Francisco must continue to lead by example, and this was referenced by Carlos, it's in reforming or continuing to reform our public schools. As our state, as our state struggles to provide quality public education to every child, no place in my mind is doing more than San Francisco to make this basic right a reality. We have forged a partnership. We call it a partnership for achievement between our city and our schools that is like no other. We're not just focusing on a few years of schooling, K through 12. We're investing our time and energies in promoting high-quality preschool education through college graduation. Fundamentally, we're creating a new culture in our city of lifetime learning. At the same time, we're also reinforcing our commitment to creating a world-class science and technology school on the eastern side of our city that will rival that extraordinary institution, Lowell High School. Get ready, it's going to happen right in Mission Bay. Now, because improving our public schools will take the talent and energy of this entire city, I believe we should harness the knowledge and the experience of our coming influx of baby booming retirees to mentor that next generation of San Franciscans. That's why in the next few years you're going to see an exponential effort to increase our efforts to expand successful programs like Experience Corps, to encourage retired San Franciscans to mentor and to tutor our public school students. Our city government, that's important by the way, take advantage of that opportunity. Our city government we also believe our commitment in city government is to a lifetime learning can be best exampled more specifically by that promise we made a number of months ago. We call it San Francisco Promise, which will be an initiative to guarantee that every child that's eligible will be given a four-year guaranteed four-year education at our San Francisco State University system. And I want to thank Supervisor Peskin for recognizing and supporting that initiative. We're giving our public schools the resources they need to succeed. But we're not just giving, and we should not just give. Right? Bottom line is we should ask for something in return from our students. Today I'm calling on the school board to join with me in crafting a community service requirement in all of our public schools so that public service is a common expectation, a rite of civic passage for all of our graduating students. We also, I think all of us agree with this, we all know that making our schools better 
means keeping great teachers in their classroom. And with your help this June, we will make a renewed commitment to attracting and retaining the very best teachers by paying them a salary that can sustain their own families as they educate our families. That is also an important effort coming up this June. We have all lamented, we've all lamented, we've all seen our nation and state offer what I believe is one of the most damaging political postures when it comes to our public schools. That's no child left behind. That's left our schools underfunded and overregulated. It's become a dangerous experiment. It's high stakes testing that's created best, better test takers, but not better prepared students. But here in San Francisco, we're not attacking our schools. We're changing them with this partnership that's going to, again, train and retain the best teachers. A partnership that will help send children to preschool with the nation's most comprehensive education programs. And with a partnership that will help send our kids to college with the resources and training that they need to succeed. While we have one of the best urban school districts in the state and nation, it is certainly true that we have a long, long way to go. But on the challenge that is confronted so many other American cities, San Francisco working with new and fresh leadership, uh, we are going to find a way. We're going to lead the way in our own unique way. Now, as our new administration begins, we're also redoubling our commitment and our efforts to address one of San Francisco's most vexing and most, I think, uh, significant challenges. And that's the challenge of homelessness, poverty, and panhandling. Our combined efforts under our Housing First program, Care Not Cash and Homeward Bound, have already moved 6,860 human beings off our streets. That is remarkable. And by the way, that has translated to 38.9% decline in our homeless street population. We have our 10-year chronic planned and chronic homeless, led by Angela Alioto, that has already become a national model. Make no mistake. And Project Homeless Connect is harnessing the spirit, that spirit of civic engagement in the struggle to end homelessness across this nation. 150 cities, I don't know if you know this, 150 cities around the country and three different nations around the world have replicated our Project Homeless Connect model. I am proud of that, and you should be as well. And there was no, and it's the, the symbolism and substance of the week, there is no better demonstration of this than yesterday at our 20th Project Homeless Connect, which brought together, again, thousands of San Franciscans to fight against homelessness. Now, it's a good start, and I recognize that. It's just a start. Our next steps are to provide efforts that will provide alternatives to panhandling and homelessness by expanding our sobering centers, our medical respite and access, identifying chronic inebriants and intervening earlier to help them find assistance by targeting our homeless outreach teams to prioritize chronic users of our system of care. This year, we're taking another important step by also working with local merchants to end the sale of fortified alcoholic drinks that fuel so much destruction. We're working with merchants just in the area around Civic Center to create an alcohol impact district that will limit and prohibit dangerous alcohol sales. We're also making sure that our parks and public spaces are 
available to all of us to use safely we started early in this year this process of protecting our parks and public spaces for all our children and all our families but we're not going to stop won't stop until every park and every square is safe and attractive for every san franciscan and we will do it with compassion but do it nonetheless We will accelerate the struggle against homelessness as well by redesigning our shelter system so that our shelters are no longer just refuges of last resorts, but spaces where homeless San Franciscans can find job training, drug treatment, and encouragement that they need to exit homelessness. We are getting out of the shelter business. Make no mistake about it. I have said this many times, but shelters only solve sleep. Housing solves homelessness. That's why we are focusing our efforts so aggressively on moving forward to ending our efforts to continue to expand this unruly shelter system and begin to contract it in a way that we can expand our housing system. We recognize that housing, though, fundamentally is the key, and that's why key part of all of our efforts has been and will continue to be our Housing First program. Now, on what is and will continue to be one of the great challenges facing urban America, San Francisco, again, is leading the way. Right now, as well, we're also leading the way in creating more affordable housing than in any time in our city's history. We're not just meeting our ambitious goals, we're aiming to exceed them. We're on track now to create over 15,000 housing units in that prescribed time that we established a few years ago of five years. This will include over 5,000 units of affordable housing for lower income families. We're not just talking about this problem of affordable housing or lack of it. We're doing something about it. And in the next four years, we're going to continue to offer real solutions to affordable housing and not with respect not fall prey to political gambits that offer attractive promises but not sound public policy. And as we address this issue and the challenge of public housing, or rather housing generally, I believe we must recommit ourselves to the notion that every San Franciscan deserves a decent place to live, which is why it is a shame in our city that thousands upon thousands of San Franciscans are living in substandard public housing. That's why we must finish the job to make sure every single remaining public housing unit is rebuilt to excellent standards so that our residents can be proud of their homes as our, our city. Now, we established a program called Hope SF, and that has taken up the challenge. And this year, Hope SF will start the task of rebuilding 2,500 of our most distressed and antiquated public housing units without losing one unit and without forcing one tenant out of the system. We're spending more, and this is remarkable, we are spending more on our local HOPE SF program to rebuild public housing than the entire federal government is spending to rebuild public housing in all 50 states. That's remarkable. I, I can't emphasize that a month. A month. You know, we, here we are in San Francisco, the small 47-and-a-half-square-mile city, and we are doing more right here than the entire federal government is doing everywhere else in the United States. That's a strong commitment to this extraordinary program. Now, we've waited almost 50 years to fulfill the promise of safe and decent public housing, 
we are not going to wait any longer. And the plans for Bayview Hunters Point that I highlighted just a moment ago in particular are going to help revitalize that neighborhood first and foremost for its residents. We can all help this June. We've got another opportunity this June on the ballot by supporting a plan to bring 10,000 new units of housing, over 5,000 new jobs, 400 acres of parks, open space, and recreational facilities, and literally millions and millions of square feet of science and technology space. And if that plan helps keep the 49ers, well, all the better. But first and foremost, this plan is going to bring prosperity to the families in the community that have simply waited too long for it. Now, ultimately, the real test of leadership is how we confront our failures. Today and tomorrow, and through the life of this administration, we will continue to confront the plague of violence and homicides on our city streets. It is not enough to have lowered the overall crime rate. We have. We will not rest until we've also lowered our homicide rate. Led by our communities most affected by violence, our city's most comprehensive community policing and violence prevention planning efforts have just been completed. Each of these plans outlines specific steps and recommendations to more effectively work with our community partners and law enforcement and to better prevent and combat violence. With considerable input from national experts, we are also undertaking a major review and assessment of our San Francisco Police Department. We're reviewing district boundaries for the first time in over a decade. We're studying and implementing national law enforcement best practices that we're implementing around fair and impartial policing strategies that will allow for more of our officers to get out, out of the cars, onto the streets, onto the beats in our diverse city route the city in those diverse neighborhoods. After a decade of staffing challenges, literally a decade of staffing challenges, this year we will hire 250 new officers. That's the third consecutive year we will have hired over 250 new officers. And we'll dispatch those officers directly in those neighborhoods affected by violence. I don't know if you know this, that's the first time since the voters approved our minimum staffing requirement that we actually meet that minimum staffing requirement. So it's also a significant milestone. I'm also pleased to announce that we have created a position specifically in the police department to protect the safety of residents at our public housing authority. We now have a new police commander that will answer directly for the safety of residents at all of our public housing sites. I want to make it clear, we're not going to rest until our police department is, as well, a model for the rest of the nation. We're going to continue to make San Francisco safer, and we're going to do that just not by mending broken windows, but we're also going to do it by mending broken lives, by making full use of this extraordinary partnership with our district attorney called our Community Justice Center, a program that will make sure that offenders are held accountable for their behavior and, most importantly, offered a path forward to change their lives. This court opened just last week and heard a few cases and will open its permanent home just down the street this spring. And we all know that keeping San Francisco safe means more than just fighting crime. That's why it was such a milestone last week when we launched California's first, this is remarkable, California's first regional emergency coordinating plan. It's not only California's first, it's our nation's first. And I'm very proud, Mayor Dellums, 
is here today because he's been there every step of the way to help us craft this plan that will see the Bay Area, the entire region, act in common cause when our region is threatened. The first regional emergency coordinating plan in our nation's history. Finally done. Thank you, Mayor Dellums, and thank the rest of the region for their help. One thing we know, that here in San Francisco, we may be a peninsula, but we recognize that we're not an island. And so when it comes to public safety, make no mistake, we've stopped acting like one. Now, our struggle to make San Francisco safer, I recognize, is not over. And it will never be over. But our commitment to the task will never waver. And another test of leadership in the next four years ahead will be how we continue to demonstrate that this magnificent building and the government it houses does not belong to the people who work here. It belongs to the people we serve. We need to always remember that the needs of the public always come first. For too long in this city, we've allowed a government culture that puts the interest of politicians oftentimes ahead of the needs of the public. We still let people wait in line and language on hold. We still uh, see problems fester uh, when we are trying to solve problems, but our ideology, various political agendas get caught up in trying to solve them. That's why we can't slow the pace of reform. We need to accelerate it. We need to make sure that the people who work here work for all San Franciscans. That's why I so strongly support new campaign finance laws that will prevent those who seek action from this government from giving a single dollar to politicians and political campaigns while they seek that action. <laughs> to make government more responsive, we also need to retool our government structure so that we have fewer departments that can manage to do a lot more. That's why recently I structured my own administration so that we can put the lessons of the last four years to work for all of you. This government belongs to all of us, and it needs to be responsive to all of us. And that means we listen not only to the people that show up in this building as much as we appreciate they're taking the time, but we listen to everybody throughout our city. In an effort to do that, we took a giant step recently when we launched our 311 call center, finally giving residents one number where they can call to interact with their government. We've already answered, and this is remarkable, we've already answered over 1.6 million calls. This year, though, we want to expand our 311 call center so you can access it with a text message and access it online. But 311 is more than just a way to find out about what its intended purpose was, and that's a bus route or how to fill a pothole. It's also a way for you to tell us what you think so that we can take action. And when it comes to reforming this government, my administration, make no mistake, will never be afraid to lead the way. And 301 is just one of those ways that we're showing strong leadership and bringing new technology to make government work for you. This city is the epicenter of high-tech innovation. You all know that. And if we can have Web 2.0, I think we also can have Government 2.0. That's why we're in the process of redesigning the city's website, finally. Some elements that are finally launching today on our sf.gov uh, web. We can do this by also improving the website so that we can accept your pet peeves and complaints and give you the opportunity to suggest specifically in that site new policies uh, and new strategies. We'll be able to exercise the opportunity finally to 
uh, access that website in multiple languages. And that site will also be a source of real-time news from San Francisco city government. Technology, you all know, is changing the world. In the next four years, it's going to keep changing our government for the better. And it's in that spirit that we renew our efforts to close the digital divide by advancing our citywide free Wi-Fi network. We are not going to stop. We will not stop until this task is complete. We have a renewed effort, and this renewed effort includes cultivating wireless network providers that are growing in pockets throughout our city. We're going to build those networks by linking them to our growing city Wi-Fi infrastructure. And we're not going to get there as originally planned. I acknowledge that. But we will close the digital divide with a citywide free wireless network. But it takes more than technology, much more than technology, to address one of the key issues facing our city in the next four years and behind and beyond. It's going to require us taking a very tough look at how we're planning for the growth of our city. We're already transforming the built landscape of San Francisco. Nowhere is that change, and I think you'll agree with me, more evident than in the eastern neighborhoods, where new housing and expanded downtown, new industries, and a new grand central station for our city, the Transbay Terminal, will soon become landmarks for our city's future. It's here in the eastern neighborhoods, from Rincon Hill to South City, that we have the greatest opportunity to address the challenges of keeping working families in our city. The growth here will allow us to maintain our status as an epicenter of biotech and life sciences, digital media, and green tech industries. And the investment generated from this growth, when prosperity is applied, will allow all of us to build transportation and the parks and the open space and schools that will make San Francisco more livable, developing better neighborhoods, not just new housing. I'm determined to manage that growth so that we can all benefit from it. And that's why we're not finished with the job of taking politics out of the planning process. We've made progress. We have reformed the old bastion of special interests, the Department of Building Inspection, so it now works for all of us. We're going to continue that project process by completely reforming our permitting system as well. So instead of having to go to nine different places right now to pull a permit, you can do it in one simple and easy step. However, we can't let our planning process be a political swap meet, driven by those same special interests. If we want our growth to make us better, we need a better way to plan that growth. I want to repeat the message again. We'll build the city to make it better, not to make someone or some special interest group richer or more politically powerful. Now. As we, as we lead the process of change, one of the most significant tasks uh, ahead of us is to make sure that Muni finally works the way it should, every single day in every single part of our city. We're making progress, but this progress is, I recognize, painfully slow. The elements are in place, and our on-time performance is getting better and better. The tough part of the journey, though, is right in front of us. Our new transit effectiveness project is nearly complete, and it's going to help us make great strides. But that's going to require redesigning routes, eliminating some bus stops, fully implementing new technology like our forward-facing cameras, and investing in a dedicated, rapid bus transit system throughout our entire city. The transit effect in this project also underscores the need to link our city to the region 
in our state with high-speed rail to our new downtown Transbay Terminal and with fast and frequent electrified Caltrans system and with rail expansion down through the central subway into Chinatown. I also believe that it's time to employ innovative variable pricing strategies to better manage traffic and to help draw residents out of their cars. I also believe that our ongoing study will also show that the nation, what all the nation, national experts and all of the international experts agree upon, that a sensible congestion pricing plan is the single greatest step we can take to protect our environment and improve our quality of life. We must, though, design this congestion pricing plan so that it works for San Francisco and not overly burdensome for working San Franciscans. This is our future, and we can hide from it or we can lead the process to shape it. I look forward to working with all of you to shape it so that the congestion pricing plan is affordable to working middle-class families who need to drive because of work and or school schedules. Not a punishment, but a way to hasten the ultimate reward of great public transportation, and that's to improve our environment by making that transportation our first choice. Now, there's no doubt that the job of improving public transportation and reforming Muni is far from done. But this work will never stop, because ultimately, if Muni works the way it can, all of San Francisco is going to work the way it should. There's one thing that I have learned about leading San Francisco, is that we don't need to be profligate in order to be progressive. In fact, if we want to prove the wisdom of our values, we need to marry those values to the toughest financial discipline. That's why in these uncertain times, I've asked all of our departments for 8% targeted cuts and a hiring freeze outside of essential services. We need to understand that as strong as our local economy may be, we will be affected by the state and national downturn. We must also recognize that we are going to be asked to shoulder a significant share of the burden of the state's $14-plus billion deficit. There is no doubt that we must make tough choices, choices that address both today's difficult budget climate and preserve our fiscal health well into the future. Let me be clear, clear right now. Real leadership means making tough choices to protect our fiscal health for our city, not just today, but tomorrow. And that's why we're working with supervisors, most significantly Supervisor Sean Ellsburn, to reform our retirement system, not to take it away, but so that we can preserve and afford it through long-term fiscal discipline. I've always believed that what we all know to be the case certainly is that the world views San Francisco as an economic leader. But we are still not doing enough to bring the benefits of our prosperity to every San Francisco neighborhood. I believe our economic success will be quite hollow if poverty is allowed to be tolerated. We simply must accelerate our efforts to give every San Franciscan the tools to lift themselves into stable high-wage jobs. I know we can start by promoting the most vibrant part of our economy, and that is our small businesses. That's why I want to see the job-inhibiting payroll tax reformed so that the payroll tax exemption is raised for the first time in over two and a half decades. That's going to give small businesses the incentives that they need to hire more San Franciscans. Now, we're going to need to pay for it, but we can pay for it by closing the so-called partnership loophole, 
that has allowed big businesses to escape paying taxes, while small businesses have paid more than their fair share. We can and we must also offer new incentives for work, including tax breaks for small businesses that hire our returning veterans. We're not going to let a, another generation of San Franciscans who served in our military to become at risk of addiction, despair, and homelessness. We're going to give value their service by rewarding it here at home. We also must stand up and fight one of the key reasons, though, that San Franciscans continue to be trapped in poverty. And that's a criminal justice system that doesn't do enough to rehabilitate those that have already made mistakes. It virtually destroys their chance of employment. We all know that the best weapon to fight poverty is a job. We're going to make sure that more people who are qualified for decent jobs are given opportunity to connect with expanded job training programs, particularly our nonviolent offenders who are casually of our war on drugs so that they can be given a second chance. And I appreciate Jeff Adachi and his good work in this effort as well. <laughs> to expand opportunity, we also will redouble our efforts to make San Francisco ready for the jobs of the future. We are starting right now by expanding our City Build Academy so that it teaches the green collar job skills demanded in the emergent green tech revolution. We must make sure that our neighborhoods that were locked out of the pollution-based economy are locked into the new green economy. We will address social inequality and environmental injustice with a shared solution, a green economy that offers a ladder out of poverty so that our youth can climb into dignified jobs that clean our planet and create new economic opportunity. Ultimately, ultimately the economic prosperity that all of the rest of us will rely on will rest on our ability though to maintain our leadership in the global marketplace. We are uniquely positioned here in San Francisco not just to compete, but to triumph in this context. But we can't be complacent. That's why we have created a China desk in my office that will coordinate all of our economic outreach to the nation that arguably is, but most likely, most will agree very soon will be, the most important training partner for the United States of America. We recognize our strength as a gateway to Asia and Pacific and a center of world commerce because people from all over the world recognize that our values teach us to respect and welcome our neighbors, not to be wary of them. If there is an area where we need, though, to be more welcoming, it's in keeping our children and family in our city. And it's here where we must offer bold leadership in the years ahead. We have the dubious distinction, I know that many of you know this, the dubious distinction of having the lowest percentage of children of any major city in the United States of America. There are many reasons for this. And this is why we have worked so hard in the last four years to address this problem on many levels. And perhaps no other initiative, though, will better symbolize our commitment in the next four years to our children, youth, and family than the creation of a new and innovative baby bond savings program, a plan that will deposit on birth $500 for every new resident born in our city and offer the proceeds of this fund to every graduating high school senior who participates in public service. This money can be used for college and training and for first-time homeownership, giving every child and every young person an equal stake in upward mobility. This investment, I believe, will help spur a culture of savings, teach us financial literacy, and will be supported by the great work of Jose Cisneros on our Bank on San Francisco initiative.
And because we've included the requirement to participate in community service to access these funds, I believe that we will unlock the tremendous talent and energy and ingenuity and inspiration of every young San Franciscan. This may be just one step, but I believe it's an important one because we're going to demonstrate to families that we will invest in their children if they stay the course in our city. Now, as we address the challenges ahead, we recognize that this city is supported by values that distinguish us as San Franciscans. As our world is confronted with the consequences of division and injustice and racism, here in our city, we're showing the world that diversity is not something to fear, but diversity is something to embrace. We know that we are far from perfect. We know that racism in all of its forms and manifestations still exists. But we also know that the single most important reason why San Francisco is a world-class city is that we can benefit from the collective strengths and experiences of people from all over the world. Why did, why did one of the leading international manufacturers of solar panels, SunTech, choose to make San Francisco its new North American headquarters? Why did the Center for Regenerative Medicine, the Stem Cell Institute, open its headquarters here in San Francisco? Why did Wikipedia, the company that seeks to gather the world's knowledge on the World Wide Web and make it freely available to all, locate here in San Francisco? Why does Second Life, where this inaugural today is being broadcast in the emerging virtual world, make San Francisco its home? And why are we the only city why are we the only city in North America to be chosen to be part of the Olympic torch relay to Beijing? I think we all know why. Because San Francisco has made herself a world center for people coming from all over the world that feel at home. There are some in our country that are frightened by this. They deride what they call San Francisco values. But we know that these values inspire many many more people than they frighten. We saw how San Francisco become a beacon for the world just four years ago when right here we fought for marriage equality. The world didn't come to an end. And the world certainly didn't become worse when over 4,000 gay and lesbian couples were allowed to express their love and devotion and responsibility for each other it became better. The world didn't become worse when we extended the protection of our laws to transgendered San Franciscans. It became better. The world didn't become worse when we stood up and made San Francisco a sanctuary city to protect all of our residents, regardless of immigration status. It became better. Now, we're a small place. I recognize that. But we can do so much. And we have done so much already. On the most important issues of the day, San Francisco is providing leadership for our nation and the world. I know that's why we're all so proud of our city. It's more than just the beauty of our hills and the bounty that we all enjoy. It is more than the diversity of our people and our neighborhoods. It is what our diverse population has done that distinguishes us as San Franciscans. When others were fearful, San Franciscans did not falter. Yes, there is so much more we must do to live up to the promise of our city. The challenges ahead are certainly great, but I know that we will not falter. 
We will not stop making this city an inspiration and an example for others. I have taken the oath of office today with an appreciation born now of experience. I don't just expect that this is the best job any San Franciscan can ever have. I now know it. You gave me the most extraordinary opportunity, not just once, but you've given me this opportunity now twice. I thank you today, and I hope that you understand that I will thank you each and every day for this opportunity to serve. Every time we take a step forward on issues like health care and the environment and education, homelessness and housing and civil rights, I thank you for the responsibility that you have given me. I cherish this opportunity to lead. And I will work with each and every one of you to make every single one of these most precious days count. I thank you all very, very much. And I cannot wait to go back to work. Thank you all. Thank you. Last but not least here, to entertain us, we have the Beach Blanket Babylon, which is part of our, our city here.
At this time, we'd like to invite everyone to a public reception here. Thank you very much.